This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, So we're coming into some of Paul's parting words here. And as we do, he has a lot to say about the relationships between brethren and the local church. Uh, Now, these Christians love one another exceedingly. He commends them multiple times in Thessalonica because of their love for one another. Uh, See verse 12 in chapter 3. But at the same time, he tells them twice to excel still more. Chapter 4 and verse 10. With regard to loving one another, he says, I have no need to write to you because you yourselves do this. Uh, But then he goes on to say those famous words, excel still more. And the closing verses of this letter, I think, help us understand how we can excel still more uh, in our love for one another. And what seems to be the focus, in my opinion, is that they needed to support one another. Uh, So we've talked about how this is a church that needs perspective and assurance and edification. And now in this last part of our series of 1 Thessalonians, um, I've chosen to focus on support. I think that that's a good word to capture kind of Paul's parting message here. And so the first group of individuals he names are elders uh, within the local church. Uh, You know, there's there's a rare breed of Christians who are qualified to act in this capacity within local churches, to be shepherds, to be bishops, pastors. He says in verse 12, Appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Uh, So no other group of individuals is said to have charge over a local church other than elders. So even though he doesn't say elders specifically in that verse, that's who he's talking about. <clears throat> the context forces us to conclude that uh, because of what is said about elders elsewhere. And so these are the individuals that Paul has in mind. Uh, and he's saying they should be appreciated. They should be appreciated. And so as we think about this obligation that's put upon us as, as Christians, members of local church, wherever you are, um, when was the last time you know you said thank you to an elder? or offered a prayer of thanks to God for a sound, strong eldership, or offered words of encouragement to an elder. You know, sadly, serving as as an elder is far too often a thankless experience. Um, But this is not how God would have it. Uh, He wants us to recognize that even though these individuals are uniquely qualified and serve in this very peculiar and special function, it uh, they're still people and they still need our support and encouragement. They're still Christians in the same uh, warfare, engaged in the same warfare as you and I, and they need encouragement the same as you and I. Uh, we need to, as Paul says, honor them. He, he, uses the, he uses the word and phrase, appreciate and esteem them very highly. Uh, and that's how he's guiding our thinking here. So as we you know, as we're thinking back, and again, we're evaluating ourselves and our interactions with elders uh, or an eldership. You know, did our treatment of them 
does our treatment of them fit 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-13? So, remember the, the phrase that we're, you know, we're thinking about here, 1 Thessalonians 4.10, excels still more. You know, what is, you know, this is one of the ways we can do that. And what is the motivating force behind this appreciation and esteem due to an eldership? It's love, right? He says, I highly esteem them in love because of, verse 13, because of their work. So, uh, now then, how could value and honor uh, and appreciation for someone who's, you know, how, how could I offer those things or, or demonstrate those things, I should say, value, honor, and appreciation for someone whose work I don't value? If I, if I don't honor their work and appreciate their work, right? I, so like everything else, um, my response to them is a reflection of my own values and priorities, uh, this is, you know, I know we talked about this earlier in, in the series, how Paul is, you know, overflowing with thanks for Christians like those in, in Thessalonica and Philippi. And when he explains why that is in these letters, he, he's he, without fail, it's because of their participation in the gospel. He'll call it our fellowship or because of their faithfulness or the stability of their faith as he writes the Colossians. Um, and he wouldn't have that thankfulness. He wouldn't be writing to them and, and telling them that he thanks God for them if he himself didn't have faith, if he himself didn't value service to Christ and stability and fellowship. You, you get the picture. So the same applies here um, uh, as we're thinking about our relationships in a local church, specifically to, to an eldership. Uh, notice that there are some assumptions made about an elder and a godly eldership. Uh, and that is, as Paul says, they diligently labor and they give you instruction. All right. So here's some points of teaching uh, for uh, an eldership, right? These these facts are simply taken for granted by God. If an, el- if an eldership is to be acceptable to God, um, there's there's no alternatives here. And so there's a there's a challenge here that they're, to be diligent and known for their diligence and to be teachers, faithful teachers. And so there's a, there's a challenge to church leadership, I think, to honestly consider whether they are fulfilling that function or if they've just kind of reduced it to, you know, administrative type roles and, you know, recognizing when we need to buy a new parking lot or building maintenance or something like that. Those things are, you know, obviously you got to have discussions about material things like that and, housekeeping type issues we we might say and and that falls to elderships to use the treasury wisely and so on and so forth but primarily the new testament is reminding us their role and function as leaders is it's spiritual in nature right uh, to shore up the faith of the flock to protect them um, to give this sound teaching and to seek those sheep who are straying. Uh, so this could, you know, easily turn into a whole nother study, but for the sake of time, we, we can't get into the work of an eldership. Uh, but let's continue now as Paul goes on to address the character of local church uh, fellowship. So verses 13 through 15 of chapter five, uh, it says to live in peace with one another. We urge you brethren, admonish the unruly, 
encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And then what we read earlier, that no one pays, repays uh, evil for evil, but always seek after the good for one another and for all people. So let's think about uh, this block of text for a moment. You know, if peace does not prevail within a local church, um, I think we can see from this passage that the members of that local church have no one to blame but themselves. And so either they are refusing to live peacefully and selfishly choosing to be disruptive or divisive, or they are tolerating disruptive and divisive influences. Think about uh, Diotrephes in Third, Third John. But both of these scenarios put them at fault, right? Whether they're the instigators or whether they're just tolerating the evil influence, uh, there's no excuse for that. And so we have to certainly stand for the truth. Uh, and there are times when we need to act as mediators between brethren. You see Philippians 4, 2, and 3. That's what um, Paul was calling, I believe it was Epaphroditus, to do uh, for Yodi and Syntyche. But at the same time, being mediate, being mediators between brethren who um, may have some disagreement um, and standing for the truth, those things are worlds apart from uh, injecting ourselves into other folks' conflicts, or just being flat out contentious. Just look, you know, just looking for a fight all the time, being argumentative, you know, being cantankerous. Uh, you know, those are those are marks of immaturity. Right? There's already enough people in the world who are spoiling for a fight. And, you know, in, in our, you know, our culture, we use the word triggered all the time. You hear that a lot, probably so much that it makes you sick now. But, you know, that's the reality. People are just, you know, they're ready to be triggered or they might even want to be triggered at the drop of a hat. But this is not how God's people are to be. Um, you know, one one goal in our relationships and dealings with others is to be at peace with all men, insofar as it depends on us, Romans 12, 18. And so we, you know, we hold people responsible and we teach them. And, uh, you know, again, we stand our ground for the truth, but that doesn't mean, you know, we get to be bitter, angry people all the time. Uh, so we have to remember, we have, you know, we have to keep these things in perspective. Uh, Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So stirring people up um, and, you know, again, having harboring bitterness and just working yourself into a lather all the time, that's never solved anything. And James reminds us of that, right? The anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of, of God. And so don't charge the hill over every petty thing that, that bothers you. That's just... Not only is it counterproductive, but it's sinful. It doesn't. It doesn't fit the pattern. It doesn't fit the the picture that we're given here of what fellowship in a local church looks like and how it's characterized. But whether we're rather we're to learn to be humble and flexible and submissive toward one another, and then those are words that we, you know, might make us cringe a, a little bit. You know, they're easy to say and easy to you know teach from a pulpit and. You know, we're on a podcast like this, but man, be, you know, submitting to someone that you disagree with for the sake of peace over an issue that's not a matter of salvation or, or the faith or truth, just because, you know, you don't agree with 
um, a, a judgment that they're that they're making be uh, submissive toward that or or you know if it's something that uh, you know really doesn't even uh, concern you well then you know don't don't bring it up and and pick a fight about it and there's you know the the examples of this are are limitless uh, really and you know for example there was um, there's a brother who in his in his family <clears throat> he wouldn't allow uh, his wife to drive anywhere right so not, it wasn't that she was incapable or didn't have a license or anything like that it's just uh, that was that was a rule we might think well that's uh, you know that's ridiculous and that's oppressive and you know we could go off onto this uh, tirade and think you know how ridiculous but in the end you know their their marriage wasn't on the rocks you know it was they loved one another and this was you know a, a ruler within their household and as crazy as it might sound to us you know we don't we don't need to insert ourselves into what is a peaceable situation because we don't agree with that judgment and pick a fight about it you know uh that's so that's one of many things that can lead to just kind of needless conflict uh so if we just learn to submit to one another's judgment in those regards it will go a long way i think in in tearing down you know hurtful ultimatums that we push on our brethren or uh, you know, just the little arguments that we get in that that rip at the fabric of our fellowship when they don't have to. So let's hold people accountable with the truth for sure. Uh, but let's not be, you know, people who are easily triggered and just looking for a fight. Uh, you know, one one is commanded, speak the truth in love. Um, but the other attitude certainly is not. Uh, Jude says, don't contend with a man without a cause. Uh, Contend earnestly for the faith. Contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down by the apostles. Paul says the goal here is to encourage and to help and be patient. And this is is hard enough, but it's going to be impossible if we're mad at the brethren all the time, you know, if we are those kinds of individuals who are contentious or cantankerous, you know, you're not, you're not going to be much help to someone in that condition. Um, Excel still more never meant that there wouldn't be obstacles in the way of excelling still more. Um, And the greatest obstacle might be yourself, right? And, And our own attitudes that we have to work on. And so all of these, efforts that we've been talking about. They're going to take time and, and energy out of your already busy schedule. And they're going to drain you emotionally and physically, mentally, but but you will find your fellowship greatly improved and your love and affection for brethren growing ever greater and drawing closer to God in all of these efforts, becoming more like Him. And so, you know, does, you know, think about his character. Does he encourage you when you are faint-hearted? Does he help you when you are weak? Does he agree with every one of your crazy decisions? Has he been patient with you? You know, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, you know, for even for Christians is to, 
return evil for evil or you know have an unsympathetic view of others um and it takes i mean that's the easy path that's the path of least resistance we we just say you know fine you know let them let them have what they deserve but that's not the principle from which our god operates right he operates from mercy and in grace and he determines when it's time to punish sin now it it takes work and it takes discipline and commitment to christ not to respond returning evil for evil that's not you know that's not our our place to take vengeance right god says vengeance belongs to him but we are to respond in in love and always seek that which is good for one another and for for all people and there's a very important word there that we can't escape and that is always always seek that which is good for one another and for all people even when they've done wrong yes even when they've done me wrong yes uh when they've slandered my family yes even if i have no reason to believe that they'll ever change always seek for their good yes yes this is that's the bar you see that is what our our father has called us to that's the example that christ left us and he will accept no less okay verses 16 through 22 rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus do not quench the spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt but test them all hold on to that which is good and reject every kind of evil so this is how paul concludes he wants he's focusing on these spiritual disciplines uh, rejoicing prayer thanksgiving so lots of worship here that he's that he's naming he's also naming honest discerning bible study so he says don't treat prophecies with contempt so for for us the principle is you know, as the teaching, we tend to think of prophecy, or most people do at least, as you know, something that's predictive in nature, talking about the future. But prophecy just meant, um, or a prophet was just a teacher or a mouthpiece of, of God. Now, a lot of the times the things that they would say were um, pointing forward to the future, but for the most part, it was just revealing or reminding people of God's will and his, his judgment. And so Paul is saying here, um, test everything, all teaching. And if you find it to be good, that is in, in accordance with the will of God, the word of God, uh, you hold on to it. But if it's not, you reject it. Um, so it is, so it is, it, responsibility is ours, obviously, to, to exercise these disciplines. And as we go back to that, you know, that first one, um, you know, is it strange to see rejoice as a command? You know, people tend to think joy is something that happens to them, but rejoicing is a choice and one we have to make as, uh, as much as we must choose to pray or choose to give thanks, right? Those things are named right alongside of that. Uh, why is that? Why? Well, because the love of God is beyond question. It's it's always there. He's proven it to us. He's he's he died for us, and so 
Paul is saying, if we're if we're not doing these things, then it's not because we don't have anything to rejoice about. It's because our hearts and minds are in the wrong place, right? We're looking beyond the greatest blessing of God. We're probably looking beyond a thousand blessings to see one tragedy or the things that are going wrong in our lives, and we're doubting the love of God, and we're just kind of these embittered, despondent, despairing people, and we are not who we're supposed to be. We're we're not excelling still more. You know, each each day, even the worst day of this life, the Christian should point to the cross and say, that is where God proved his love for me. So we should rejoice always. We have every reason to pray continually and to give thanks in every circumstance because of what God has done. And as Paul says here, it, that is his will for us in Christ Jesus. And to continually seek him through prophecy or through the teaching of his word. And so the tragedies and losses you may suffer or whatever you're going through right now, whatever they mean, they will never mean that God does not love you. It will never mean that God has not done everything in his power to save you from your sins and to bring you home with him in eternity. So whether your death comes at the hands of evil men or uh, from natural causes or whatever happens, however your time on this earth comes to an end, that's of secondary importance. What is of utmost importance is that God gave his son for you to save you from something far worse than physical death. And this gives you every reason to rejoice and to practice these spiritual disciplines named here so that you can excel still more, draw ever closer to him through his word, and be of help to your brethren, his people, wherever you are in the world. That's First Thessalonians for us. We're going to conclude there today. Thank you so much for tuning in.